Hi everybody, welcome to the first episode of Riveting Folks with Alex Cumming. Today we speak with the amazing Andy Liston, who is a stand-up comedian and podcaster in his own right, and someone I'm very fortunate to be able to call a friend. We talk about everything from where we discovered our humor, the future of the comedy world, our experiences with stand-up comedy, college, how much we both love Orlando Magic Basketball, and our thoughts on fast food. Just a disclaimer, we were both talking off the top of our heads. These are just our personal thoughts and rambling, so nothing here is meant to be taken too seriously. So take everything with a grain of salt. It's all meant to be in fun. And without further ado, enjoy the first episode of Riveting Folks with Alex Cumming. Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to the first inaugural episode of Riveting Folks with Alex Cumming. Today, I am joined by the incomparable, the life insurance having, Costco exec membership card carrying, resident of the Tallahassee, Florida, stand-up comedian and all-around pimp, the Andy Liston. Andy, how's it going today? Ooh, I'm great, man. After that intro, I feel like a superhero. Thanks, dog. I'm, I'm so blessed and excited to be uh, at the first inaugural episode of Riveting Folks. I mean, I can't wait for the second inaugural. And then, of course, you know, uh, the third inaugural will just be, I can't, I can't mm. even. If, if things fall through today, I'll have to just burn it all to the ground and start. Or if someone is, is corrupt and they're trying to spy on, on this, this inaugural episode, maybe, hey, we get to have a third one. We can have a second. And then I know it's you only have maybe a first and a, and a second inaugural episode. But if, if someone spies on your first episode, then it's totally corrupt. How can anyone even do it? So you can get you can have a third inaugural episode is what I'm saying. I'm looking forward to it. I'll be sure to keep my eyes on Mark Zuckerberg going forward. (laughs) So, uh, Andy, you and I have one very good mutual friend in the Ben Stratton, a lovely, lovely man who for many number of years who has introduced us. um, And we both just have awesome, awesome stories with. So hopefully, Ben, you listen to this. So shout out to you for introducing me. Yeah, man. One of Ben's middle names is Postal. And that's just like how how G is that? Like, dude, am I gonna defund him now? Like, I really, I don't want to, <laughs> I don't want to take away economic opportunity from my friend. But if, if we have to save the votes, we have. <laughs> this isn't that kind of. I'm being facetious, also for everybody at home. Um, I, I, I know uh, this is gonna. It's it might be a little bit confusing, but but just understand everything I say is in jest today. It's it's gonna be, it's gonna be a little bit. He has to say yeah. that for 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 I have to, it's the a disclaimer nowadays. The do you ever do you ever find yourself disclaiming something before like a show or performance? Yeah, yeah. Some sometimes in group chats that I'm in, I'll like preface messages that I'm about to send, and I'll be like, "Hey, this is a mean joke. Just a heads up. Like, hey, I'm about to send like a mean like." I'll sometimes I'll hey, say, "Derek, that. I'm about to body slam you in the chat real quick." I'm like, "Yo, I'm about to slam this duber real quick. So like, <laughs> watch out. There might be splash." So, Andy, you and I both have one thing in common, and that's we both just love like comedy. We just can't get enough of it. We just, I'm, a, we we both just consume comedy. We perform comedy. We've, I've seen you do stand up. I don't know if you, I don't think you've ever seen me do stand up, but of course, this year's an odd year. Yeah, yeah, but you were one of the first people uh, that that I had someone who knew who did stand up, and I kind of messaged you. I was like, hey, what is is. I think it was you. I was like, is there is stand up cool? And you were like, yeah. And then you came to one of my shows and I did terrible. I did awful. No, but it was you were, one of my you, first shows. And that was like really cool of you. So you thank awesome. you for that. Well, I, I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. But dude, you were awesome in that show. Remember, I think it was 
you're performing and we were there with a bunch of groups from uh, a bunch of people from WeWa, right? Cause Ben was there and um, oh my goodness, I forget their names, but wasn't there a little group of us there? Yes, there was. And you guys were like, that's my friend. And everyone was, was like, we know exactly what you're doing. They're, they're like, this is your third week in comedy. You're not going to, no one else is going to come. <laughs> so it's just like, like everybody's quiet, but just like this one little pocket's like, oh my God, this is the funniest oh, thing I've ever heard. Like what? He's Carlos Mencia with the mic. What? We're <laughs> just going crazy. He's George Lopez on the mic. I don't know why I'm all. I'm just a talk. I'm is that, a, is that who you envision yourself as when you're when you're up there? You're like, <laughs> you're like WWGLD. What would George Lopez do in this movie? What would, what would WW? Ah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good thing we had a disclaimer. Okay. Nice. So, um, so uh, coming into comedy, like, when did you? I know this is a very common question a lot of people but like, when were you like, yo, I'm funny, I'm sticking out? Like, when did when was there a day where you were like, nobody knows me as like. I'm funny. And then like the next day they were like, Oh shit, that thing made people realize like I'm the funny guy. Well, I think, I mean, as much as it'd be cool to just wake up funny one day, it's more of just, it's like a whole process and everything. And I don't, and look, I mean, I can, I can say I'm funny all day, whatever I can play. People have called me funny. That's, that's fun. It's also like you have that imposter syndrome and stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's like, I, I also, uh, this another disclaimer. I completely. Uh, I'm. I'm saying all this stuff entirely acknowledging where I'm just like a, a kid, and I'm an. I'm an open micer, and I'm just doing fun little, you know, comedy things and everything. And it's. It's like, it's cool and it's fun. Um, but like when I, it, it gets weird when I talk about like being funny because I know that I'm funny, but it also sounds like oh I'm the, I'm. I'm gonna talk about it like I'm the funniest man of all time. But that's just. I mean, also, to me, I think I find myself. I, I'm my favorite comedian because I, I find myself fucking hilarious. I've, I've, I oftentimes just make myself laugh, but it's like there was never one day because I grew up like I was the fat kid in most of my friend groups. And when you're the fat kid, you can't run as fast uh, or, you know, the girls don't think you're just like the girls aren't booing and awing over you, especially in the fourth and fifth grade even. And uh, so you just kind of build those defense mechanisms of just like some, you were fat. You are the biggest guy in the room. You are the largest target. Let's just, you know, what's what's up? And it was also, I was a very sensitive kid and I would think a lot. And it was just like, I would, I would take my time. If someone was going to cut me, I was going to slice them, you know, like not, I mean, physically, but well, I guess if, if I was in a knife fight, that's how that would work. And every, every little jab was a knife fight with me. And so it was just like kind of defensive and stuff. But I think where I, I actually learned is this funny, funnily enough, um, camp. I, I was at yeah. camp and for when I was like 11 and I, I was just like, oh, I'm funny. Like I was like, oh, OK. And then I kind of I, I learned how to use that and just like gain favor. I'm, I'm charming in the sense that like I'm not charming and like you won't want to be like, oh, my God. But I'm charming and like, oh, this guy's very, you know, he's just a, a guy. And so I use comedy as kind of a way to just talk to to everybody, maybe people that don't, you know, necessarily like you know, I have the same experience as some of the strangers. I don't know. I have great, I have great small talk. I hate small talk, but I have wonderful small talk. Yeah. It's just like I have the, the greatest small talk that has ever been had. I'm the best small talker. People will say Joe Biden has good small. I have better. No. Joe Biden <laughs> is nothing compared to you. Joe Biden is he's, he's small time compared to your small talk, but yeah, I, I definitely <laughs> coming from, you know, I, I had a lot of the similar things of growing up larger as a child, not really being into sports, which, 
ironically, I mean, I don't know if it's the same way for you, but like now I just kind of like to go along with like small talk. It's like, I fucking love like super small talk, like chatting sports. Like for me, sports is like such like a, a baseline, like, it means nothing in the grand scheme of things aside from, you know, no. like an, an, aside from like an emotional attachment, which I think mm-hmm. is why college. For some, I, as I grow older and older, I find a financial attachment. Everyone I know now is just the, the pandemic. They're just betting on all these bubble games. Oh yeah. oh yeah. I lost, I lost uh 15 bucks on the UFC fight the other weekend. I Ooh. lost 15 bucks. Yeah. I, I can't do UFC. Really? I can't, I'll lose money. I, I was sitting with my friends at, um, because there's like it's six like games sport. in a row, you're like that person. That I lost person. all of them. I lost all you're of like, them. <laughs> there's like six. I games. was like, this guy's totally gonna fuck that guy up, and they're like, nope, the Russian guy just won. Like, Come on, America. <laughs> but no, it's just like it's like I, I, sports being such like a baseline thing. In college football, you know, you, my money is here. Like part of my tuition, literally, if you look at the breakdown, is like you get goes into the football program. Yes. So it's like, I'm, of course, I'm going to put my weight behind UCF. It's also like, because UCF is such an underdog. It's kind of like when people crap on UCF, maybe this is like a lot of, the, I mean, I know that this is like a thing that a lot of people have. It's like when you are like disparaging something that somebody just like has a great affection to before they realize the error of their ways, they're going to be like, no, 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 way, no. My guys are like, I'm not saying UCF is wrong and it's not an error that I love them, but, no, it's, but I mean, it's, it's hubris and, the more they're put Everyone down, the more it. it's, it's like gasoline on my night nation fire. Actually, you're just pouring it up. Cause I mean, I mean, well, someone threw some water on you guys last week and that's okay. Yeah. Someone, the guy, I mean, you guys are a wildfire in Portland, Oregon that mm-hmm. the government is just trying to stop and they can't, mm-hmm. you guys are out of control. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, you, you mentioned at the beginning of the episode, I'm, I'm in Tallahassee. I do. I go to Florida state. We are a basketball school. Sports mm-hmm. are fun. Sports are nice. Uh, I thought it was going to be more football oriented when I got here. Again, I'm not really a football fan, but but, but I have become one, um, or or I have become a guy that likes to make fun of our football team, and that's like we have just not like we just like came back to a school that I can't I don't even know if it's Jacksonville State or if it's Jackson State. I don't I yeah, really don't even know. State we had a game that was a that yeah. was a special one. That we was we had to come back on them, and it's just like okay. Yeah, whatever. But then we see we see a team like UCF, and we're like, oh, well, how many championships do you guys have? And then we can just kind of fall back and then wait on and just like talk old school trash, and then be fine in like ten years. Mm-hmm. And that's what really sucks is you guys are now establishing yourselves. You're in the middle of like establishing a program, and I feel it's just going to be a couple more years before anyone. And this is, I mean, also just wrong. Like really, really fucking. Until they do something with your conference or they merge your conference or something. I don't know. It's going to we'll be see. weird. But I mean, hopefully you guys are things get moved around. Thank you. Well, I appreciate it. And, you know, every school has like their heyday when they can do the ragging and when they're getting ragged on. UCF went 0-12 in 2015. Yeah. And then less than two years later, we had a perfect season. So, you know, if it was 2013, I'm certain that you would be like, oh, FSU is ball. Oh, 100%. Yes. So speaking of college, um, when you were still in high school, and you were sort of getting into comedy and you were sort of working your way. What were you like? This is going to be my outlet. What, where did stand up stick out to you versus say like improv or just writing funny stories? Well, I'd always been, um, I've, I, I've been watching stand up forever, like since I was a kid. Like my first, I remember watching Wanda Sykes since when I was like five, like mm-hmm. on HBO. My mom just had it on. I just, I was just looking around the corner 
I was supposed to be in bed and she was just laughing and I came out and just started watching and laughing. And um, then we would do like church retreats and stuff. And I would go up there and there was a book that was like a thousand and one jokes. And it was like, okay, I'm going to read, I'm going to read some of these beforehand. I'm going to tell them that I was killing. I murdered with those jokes. It was very fun and very nice. And uh, I liked the feeling of it a lot. And I would do it again. And then the next year I did um, an improv show at that same retreat. And it was just like improv didn't feel as good. But I was also five, so it was like, okay, maybe I should come up with a better game plan. What um, suggestions are you getting at an improv show for five-year-olds? I was just like running around, like calling people on the stage. I was like, this is, <laughs> I really got to work on my, on my intangibles and in improv. Like, um, like if I was there at a five-year-old improv show. I'd be in the audience. I'd be the one yelling, "Condom, facts. <laughs> condom <laughs> in Alaska." <laughs> Um, I really started to, I remember when, cause I always loved stand-up comedy and I loved to watch it. And I was in high school and I was watching um, Tom Segura's disgraceful special with my That's girlfriend at the time. It was a great special. And I just remember watching it and he just, I remember hey, this is so narcissistic and I've always been this way. And that's, I mean, for, for in my humble opinion, anyone that wants to do comedy and this isn't a slight to you or, no, or every, well, it's a, it's a slight to comedians in, in I mean, probably strength actually we all just were seeking that validation and acceptance mm -hmm. and i was looking at a guy who was just so good and so funny like undeniably funny like this guy was no one could argue he wasn't murdering a crowd he was undeniable and i just think i'm he's talking he sounds kind of like me like he can like he he's he's saying funny shit that i think is funny that I think I could say that I, I see jokes I've said like that before. And I'm like, okay, maybe I have to. And so I just used that and I went to my first open mic show when I was 17 and um, I was very nervous. I was in high school. I had a, one of those little weed vape pens and I just stood outside there and I just hit the weed vape pen a ton. I got very just like, ooh, what's going on? Very nervous. I was like the last guy. There were six people in the little coffee house. And I get up there and I, I go, I just come back from like, it was right after I graduated high school. I was still 17. Really? And I was just like, I had just gotten back. I went to Cuba with my family for a couple of days and I was like, okay, we, we were coming back on the plane from Cuba. And we, as soon as we get Wi-Fi, we see that the Trump administration had repealed Obama era, like policies with traveling to Cuba and stuff. So I was like, okay, I guess I'm not going back. And I try to write some shit about, like healthcare and communism in Cuba, like just some shit that was just like, what the fuck? Like so very bad. In the audience not, even, not, not bad, but like just not funny. Like not me, not funny. And so that's like, I went up for 30 seconds. I was incredibly high and I just was like, okay, this isn't working. I'm just going to go. And I put the microphone back and the, I remember the host gets up. He's like, that actually helps speed things up. I appreciate, you know, I appreciate that. And I just remember being like, yeah, I'm going to go home now and mm -hmm. it kind of i was like that was so scary that was like the scariest shit in the entire deep what, what was your first timeline um i've i fortunately i have um videos of my first couple times doing stand-up i started oh, when i was i think i was 16 Ooh. um and probably like yourself i like at 16 i looked a lot older than i was so people never underestimated or people they were always like oh he's obviously you know at least 18 19 yeah um and it actually i didn't do awful i wouldn't say it was the greatest bit i've ever done in my entire life my set definitely got better over time 
Um, but yeah, 16. And then I just kind of left and it was just like, sort of just like an average feeling, but even just doing like average, you're just like, yo, and it's, it's low key. It's a bug. It's a, it's kind of it like, is. you know, it's like prone bug. It's just kind of like you do that. You're like I just kind of want to do it again, but yeah. with stand up, it's sort of along the lines of like, when you're in a conversation, you're like, Oh, you know, Andy's funny. Alex is funny. It's cause like we can make these, these jabs and these punchlines, you know, in the moment. And let's say if it's a conversation or it's a party that's spread over the course of a night, this is like, Hey, take all those jabs and jokes and weave them together and put them in five minutes. Dancing. So the finest just, that you have over the course of three hours, you, you know, speed this up. And then there's going to be a guy ahead of you who also has five minutes. There's a guy after you also has five minutes. And, and they've all been doing this for 10 years and they're very upset that you, that you, you think you can get on the stage with them. Just adds up. Like, it's like, okay, now I just remember I fucking, and I'm still pretty young in comedy, which is fun. And I bounce around from scene to scene. Like I'm in Tallahassee and the Tallahassee scene up here is much more like an artistic community. Mm-hmm. It's very nice. And everyone's very supportive. Everyone loves each other. Like, um, you know, there's a good amount of shows, or well, there was until this pandemic. There's a good amount of shows with a handful of like really like core known comedians, people that are establishing themselves in the scene. Orlando was just kind of like a hellfire. I don't. Orlando was like, I remember I saw this. Okay, <laughs> this might be a little bit of a tangent, but I saw. Are you part of the like Orlando comedy scene? Like Facebook the new thing? Orlando comedy scene page. Yeah, oh. I. A lot's going on in there these days the guy some guy posted he was like i posted an opportunity to pay like 250 dollars to open up for like shoddy (laughs) that's not even like orlando has some shit going on so like every time i walk back in orlando i'm like oh man i really have to like when a host sees my name they'll be like you're andy listen right and i'm like yeah i've I've been liking and commenting on all your posts on on facebook and instagram Mm -hmm. so you notice me and they're like that's yeah, that, and I'm like, yeah, because, and they're like, do you want me to say it? And I'm like, just please get me up there so I can just tell my bad jokes. It's so much fun. I tr- I haven't done stand up in like five months. Really, really. That shit. Is, have you been doing shows? I um, on and off. I got really back into it December, and then in February, I was literally doing multiple shows a week. Um, hey. and then literally COVID hit, and then I stopped, and I just started doing Zoom improv. Because you know I'm I'm one of the unicorns who does improv and stand up, but I'm definitely more in the improv world right now. And then I did a show the other week, and How's it, that? it was just it was all comedians. How was that? Oh, it it was uh you that had to wear sucks. a mask mask up when you're up there, and they had two mics switching back and forth. They were cleaning that. It was it was pretty. It was interesting. wow. It was interesting. Where was but it? It was. I don't remember. I'll have to get back to you. I'll send you a message. But oh, yeah. um earlier this year. I just messaged my buddies and I was like, Hey, they're having a late night open mic. This is by February. You want to go? And it was a Monday night at 11 o'clock in a bar. Cool. And um, it was just all comedians, but it was sort of like, that was sort of less of let me perform. It was more so just kind of like working my set networking and um, just kind of just getting to run it, getting, getting a rep in. So then that sure. following week, like on the weekend where there actually would be people. Cause then that Friday, I literally did the same set for maybe six of the same comedians that were all there at the bar just chatting but then i had people there to laugh along with it and it's like comedians it's it's sort of like a lot of times i find that they don't laugh they're just kind of like yeah that was funny yeah that was a good joke mm-hmm. that was fun sometimes even during movies i'm like yeah, that was a funny bit right there 
Don't yeah, if it. you're if you're at an open mic and, and other comedians are laughing at you, you're either new and you're a monster, or or like you're just new to the scene and you're a monster, or you are just fucking, you are eating an unbelievable bag. <laughs> I I found that there's only I have, it's like when I would play basketball in high school. I was never good at basketball. I mean, I was sure. I was tall and I was long and I could I lost all that fat kid weight and I just I I could jump and I could run around and stuff I, I remember i literally in my mind still remember the vision of seeing myself do these plays against like say maybe a good like maybe a uh wyatt wilkes what's what with wyatt wilkes that kind of guy Shout out. So he's an established player i still have a i remember making a, he was up in my face and i made a pass right past his head and it's like it's still ingrained in my mind i have very vivid like audio memories of like hearing a comedian's laugh when i do a joke like that to me is just like the biggest badge of honor when someone that I think is fucking hilarious, like go in, like, I don't know if that's, I mean, of course you want to make the people laugh, but it, it, is there something like to you about, about another comedian laughing at your shit that you just really admire that just doesn't it feel like just like, like a gold star? It does. The day. But there's sort of, there's sort of a mixed bag. Um, and again, I'm no established comedian disclaimer. I do stand up for funsies. I do improv for funsies where they go tbd it's all for funnies but there's some there have been comedians that i've seen that have just they're performing for the comedians yeah so you can make the comedians laugh and you can make be like oh man this guy's funny let me let me get him on the show but if you don't make the person whose club it is laugh or you don't make the audience laugh then you're like oh he's not funny yeah that's right across the street from the world i'm in right now that's it's literally like if you're just pandering to comedians because no one is there then it's like that's one for thing. me that's a waste of a rap it's a waste of a rep if you're just going and you're just like, so this is the, and then that's the punchline. And you're like, all right, mm-hmm. you got to be like, I don't know. I'm, I've been trying to take this seriously, more seriously, because I'm starting to realize like, oh, I have to either go to school again or get a real job. Mm-hmm. And I feel like I'm, I can't go to school again online, not doing, or at least right now, I'm not going to be doing online school. Mm-hmm. And so. I wish I could get more serious about it now, but it's also like, but then again, here we are pivoting. I tell people all the time, you got to pivot. They'll just be like, what do you, what should I do? I had a friend, she was like, I'm, I'm majoring in event planning. I'm like, you got to (laughs) pivot. You got to pivot. You just have to organize zoom calls now. You can get more than six people on for more than 40 minutes. Yeah, like do you, it's do you all about have, being flexible in your industry. One thing that sort of changed with me is because um, I'm about to turn 22, but like when I was still in high school doing it, like I would definitely be at bars where it was like 21 only. I'm sorry, 21 sure. and up only. And it's like I never smoked before I had performed, but now I'll like I'll have a beer just because sometimes there's like a drink or two minimum, or sometimes we'll get there on like a Monday where they're having like a special, so I'll get a beer. And I haven't done, this is no scientific experiment, but it's sort of, I've spoken with some comedians that say, I can only smoke before I go. I need a beer before I go. I need a coffee before I go. I need to have a monster energy, whatever. I need to have five beers before I go on stage or somewhere just like, I got to go dry. And I haven't run those tests of like, I think I'm funny sober. I'm probably funny one beer in, but give me five beers. What's that set going to be like? What's that set going to be like? I can't be, I, I mean... You name it, I've done a show on it. Mm-hmm. Like legitimately, you name it, I've done a show on it. And that's just like that's just me being real. Um, that's like you know, as much as we can all parade around and have this image of ourselves, everyone wants to be like, oh, he said this on this and this. 
you do you're doing the same thing in your own time and that's also on my mm-hmm. show i kind of have to i get and i'm getting even defensive about it now to, to people i don't even know who are listening um maybe even to you but it's just like also it's like it's real it's happened i've done it i'm not gonna you know i'm still the same guy with or without it um but yeah i've done I've done shows just absolutely. I had this bit about how I just turned 31 and, and I'm drinking a beer on stage. I always would bring a beer up. This was like the mm-hmm. beginning of my stand up, and I would bring a beer on stage and I'll be drinking and talking about how I'm 31. And I'm like, I'm actually, actually like legitimately 19. And I just talked about how I'm 19 while I'm drinking this beer. And it's like, and then I realized, Oh, that's kind of like a bartender was like, you need to show me your ID. And I was like, I don't I put out like my school ID. I was like, there's no birthday. She was like, well, you can't be saying, and I'm like, yeah, you're right. But there's, Dang. I mean, I've for the most part stopped. I um, like doing anything beforehand because it just like, like again, it, mur- it really murkies those waters. Mm-hmm. And if you have to like, for me, I, I also have like impulse control problems and, and addictive tendencies and stuff. Um, you know, just a relationship with food that's unhealthy. I start doing that with drinking before a show, but then I'll, I'll have a beer before every show and I'll get comfortable not being as good or as sharp or as funny. Cause it's all about just being like, that's something just like stable and steady. Mm-hmm. And I used to be doing, I used to be able to have a drink before a show, but now I just feel like my, my chest starts racing. Sometimes it can and be I hard to gauge. It can be hard to gauge, you know, where you are. Mm-hmm. I know it's kind of a common trope, but it's like, you don't really realize how, you know, fuck, up you are until you go to the bathroom and get a good look at yourself in the mirror and you're like oh we're in this bitch yeah oh we're, we're, we, we got this in us this in us and like, this in us we're, we're like rocking no and rolling it's like i have to puke in this urinal now that's <laughs> fuck yeah yeah and we're right back out i hear you do you have any good uh, comedy stories like that um, um or, do, you, do you have any do you have any like memorable moments from when you were on stage maybe somebody heckled you or you were just like oh this killed and then this happened or oh um, um well, I started, I had the set of the night in front of one of the comedians that I wanted to impress at a yeah. show. Um, I had like the five minute set of the night at the open mic and that was cool. And then uh, comedy shut down. Uh, so that was a fun, so fun little like thing Fe- to carry February, with me. March? Uh, this was like the beginning of March. And I was like, all right, whatever. Uh, there was one time a biker almost, a biker almost like attacked me. Cause I called him, I was like, he was sitting at a table full of young kids. He was just like old. He looked like Kurt Russell mm-hmm. in, uh, in guardians of the galaxy two with the hair and stuff, more scruffled and more scraggly and like a biker. Yes. And I was, I was just like, you don't really fit in at this table, do you? And he flicked <laughs> me off. He was like, you could stick it where the sun don't shine. And I'm like, I'm into that. And then it was like, <laughs> after that, I was really scared. And then I got off and he was like, that was funny. And I was like, Oh, oh fuck. That there was funny. um ooh, I had an I was running a couple open mics, um, yeah. like my sophomore year of college, and this one guy kept showing up and he wasn't really like he was just starting comedy, I guess. Mm-hmm. He was old and he was country and it was weird. And then one time he like gave me a, and I would like he would ask me for rides home from my open mic. My open mic was downstairs from my apartment. Mm-hmm. And oh, so man, I'd be that's, like, that's pretty sweet. Yeah, it was sweet, but when you have to drive this dude home, I'm like, I don't really want to, but I will. Mm. I will. And um, I would, and then one time, like, he said some shit to me. Like, he messaged me some stuff about, uh, like, another comic that was very, just, like, bad. Just not, it wasn't, like, good talk. It was a lot of, you know, 
pointed views and it was like you have to you can't be saying that about people dude and i was like you can't really come to my shows anymore like this has to be you know a place where people can feel safe and expect Mm -hmm. to laugh i can't have like real like legit harmful thoughts because there's like you know you can do humor and stuff about whatever whatever but if you have no basis in what you're saying you're just saying it to like it 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 was just i wasn't a fan of it a year later a year fucking later he's at no i think two years later he's like at the Capitol, like counter protesting the Black Lives Matter movement in full Nazi regalia, like just like in full. Ooh. And I was like, I guess, I guess he didn't make it in comedy. Like, yeah, it was some crazy shit. It's well, just I like guess comedy is so fun and random. He's still, I mean, if he couldn't make it doing jokes, I guess he can live as a joke being a neo. Yeah, he could. Yeah, and they were all like, "Don't attack him! Like that'll it'll bring us to their level." And it's like, he's kind of also like a Nazi though. Like I could, yeah. You've seen those videos he's in Germany? They're like, "This is how to deal with like Nazis," and they just go and they just start beating, fuck, <laughs> knocking dudes out. They wow. don't fuck around in Germany anymore. Not like yeah. that. No yeah. chance. Not since the wall fell. Wow, that's, that's pretty crazy. That's pretty crazy. But I mean, what you just said about the whole the biker along with that is like. Comedy really, you know, as much as comedians can use it as like a defense mechanism between like uncomfortable situations or, you know, deflecting something that was said, it can also be used to break down barriers. Because, I mean, if you had just ended that guy had flicked you off and you're like, yeah, well, you know, go fuck yourself. But, you know, yeah. you get him back the joke. You can kind of get that. Like you said, with the comedians, you can get like a mutual respect through making him laugh. Is it because laughter is just such an involuntary thing that like it doesn't matter who says it or what says it says it? Because I remember in high school, there are definitely times where you know, someone I didn't like would say something. I'd be like, fuck, oh, that was funny. Like, that was good. Facts. And then I'd just be like, oh. But well, I, mean, I always like to, get on I always the- like to, like, be a contrarian. That's what kind of like, you're like, oh, I have a different point of view. Everyone has a different point of view. Yeah. <laughs> but like, I want to like, you know, I, I like to dig my heels in to something. And if I'm, if I'm in the zone and I'm attacking and anytime I have like, anytime I'm getting steady laughs going, then I'm ne- I'm never going to pull punches and I'm just gonna I'm just gonna go and I'm gonna mm-hmm. either hit the wall with my face or I'm just gonna break right through it mm-hmm. and it's like I'll get into back and forth with people I'll talk to drunk people all day I'll, I'll you know I'll I'll get into I'll get up in it with hecklers and stuff and that'll be that's fun stuff but it's really like the the goal of a comedian is to be a comedian yeah. and that I often find myself in real situations in life where it is uncomfortable or it's like it's weird and someone says something weird or someone does something weird and there's some weird energy in the air. If you can just, you know, flick a cigarette of words at the situation and spark fire laughter, it's like, that's fucking awesome. I'd and then everyone's back to, huh? I'd rather have a heckler that I can like bounce off of and maybe make some good riffs with than a dead audience that isn't giving me absolutely anything, both in improv and in stand-up. Yeah, in my, my ideal situation, whenever there's a heckler, I, I shut them down immediately or if they're going to be like unruly then I fucking flip it on them and I just take them down. I let, I kind of let themselves implode. I kind of mm-hmm. let them, I'm like, you're building seven and then they kind of go in on themselves. Usually and it's like fun. from there, if I can get them laughing back with the crowd and just get a rhythm back going, cause it's all about having the one voice, one crowd of like one mindset with the crowd. Maybe you're in a bar and there's 50 people talking in the back. If you got the 20 up front all focused at the same time, you have one guy who starts doing something or talking out of turn. It's like you you lose all of that attention and rhythm and motion that you have going. And it's like, all right, you have to deal with this immediately or you're fucked. Like hecklers, yeah. 
No, I agree. I'm, man, I, I really agree. miss stand up. This conversation is making I me stand up so fucking I do too. Oh my God. I, I did some some Zoom improv shows because I'm still. How are those? Because I've They're done one interesting. Zoom show. Do you hear the laughter? Um, in the one that I did, people will have like their mics on, but their cameras are off so they can react. So not only will you hear like dogs barking or like children coming in or movement or people will be like, yeah, can you get me like, I don't know, like a drink while I watch the show? But it's, you know, it's it's something. It's there. Slowly we're going back to, you know, live theaters. But unfortunately, a lot of the theaters that I would attend, you know, they've kind of been shut up for the long term. Or it's, you know, it's hard enough to get people to come to your improv show regardless. Imagine when they're afraid that they're going to get a life-threatening ailment. So that, that's been something we have to deal with, but I do miss improv. A lot of, I was super heavily involved in like improv here at UCF and that's just kind of gone up in the air right now. So I'm kind of more focused on comedy writing at the moment because you can do that from anywhere. Oh, hell yeah. So with that, like, I know you said you, you know, you're graduating at some point soon and Mm -hmm. you said you're not super enthused about a Zoom theater or I'm sorry, Zoom, um, and um, zoom stand up zoom school i wonder if there's anybody who is like man i just fucking love school on zoom there's got to be a couple people and i mean like do they genuinely like i like learning from home or they just like i like turning off my camera and scrolling facebook the homeschool kids right now are bawling the (laughs) fuck out let me tell you this is nothing new this is my domain they're going crazy right now the homeschool kid i mean i kind of miss out like they, they have all this shit down pat and they're probably killing the game right now. For me, it's just mm-hmm. like, you have to threaten me with a bad grade if I don't come to class and I'll, I'll show up and still kind of, you know, wiggle my way through that. Again, this is Tallahassee. Mm-hmm. This is, you know, go Knowles. But um, yeah, it's weird. Uh, Zoom school is weird and stuff. So I think after I'm just really going to try and get like a real person job. Hopefully no one mm-hmm. hears half the shit I say on podcasts and or, or looks at my, t- I'll knock my Twitter before a job interview. How about that? And then um, that'll be, yeah. So I'm hoping to do that. I'm thinking probably New York is the spot because they're right. starting to do shows and they're doing shows in like parks and in open venues and areas and stuff. And people will just, I mean, you can get an audience anywhere in New York. True. You just stand on the corner and just start yelling. It'll be dope. That's, that's hopefully the goal. Cause I mean, these zoom, I did one zoom show and I was in my house and I'd already started drinking and I was like, Oh man, now I'm drunk for this set. And then I didn't hear the light that the fucking guy that was running the show was like, Oh, you're running over, you're running over, you're running over the light. And I, and I like get down and he was like, that was a hilarious seven minute set. And I was like, Ooh, Yikes. this is, yeah, this, hey, I can't you've, you've evolved from your 30 second sets when you were 17 to so seven minute sets a couple years later, 30 X 14, you know what time it is. That's funny. That's funny. So, well, I mean, I hope, and I, I look forward to hearing about all that you do stand up wise. And I, of course, I'm sure yeah, our paths too. will cross many, many times in this 100%. future of this. So I'd when you have you on my show, please, please. Um, do you have any favorite movies, comedians, TV shows that you just love that you were like, like you were like, Oh man, the comedy of this, the comedy of this, the comedy of this. And it's not yes, comedians, but also like you're, there's a television show and you're like, Oh, this is how my um, comedy, you could probably stem it back to this. Yeah, for sure. Um, let's see. And it can literally be like a web series that is just like the most inane thing, or it could be like a classic '70s comedy or anything in between. I think you get time if you want. Like I, when I was like nine, I watched Tropic Thunder like 30 times when it came out. Like I watched Tropic yeah. Thunder 30 times when it came out. It was just like it was the funniest thing to me. It was like just incredible. As far as like shows that inspired me. 
in my comedy. Mad TV. Mad, Mad TV, TV was like I grew up on Mad TV. That was like right always in front of me. South Park always in front of me. Mm-hmm. Um, I kind of and this was like as a child, child. Mm-hmm. So I was like, because my mom was like working her stuff, sure. and I had to just turn the TV on and just looking. Comedy Central was on. A thousand ways to die. That a thousand ways big, to die. It was a morbid show. show, but it was actually also very funny the way they they fun. produced it and filmed it and stuff. Um, it just because it was like they were just making fun of death, and I was like, "Oh, that's that can be funny too." Hell yeah! Okay. So you found a lot of this through just straight up just classic TV, like just classic turning on the just stage, scrolling through the channels, yeah, day in day out. For me, what about it, you? What are what are some of your influences? Yeah, for me, it kind of came. Um, you know, I had a laptop, and I found Hulu, and Hulu had like The Simpsons on there, and this, and Hulu had Saturday Night Live on there. And for free, you could watch the recent episodes. So I'm like, oh, yeah. I'm like 11, 12. And I'm just like, new Saturday Night Live, new Simpsons. And this is Simpsons. We're talking like season like 20, 21. And this is Saturday Night This is Saturday Night Live. We're talking peak like Jason Sudeikis, Andy Samberg, Bill Hader, Chris. Fred Lane, Armisen. Fred There's Armisen, a, whole, like, a whole bunch of murderers on that squad. An absolute murderer's row. That's That was like my thing. And then I'd watch SNL when it aired. And then I was always up. Then I was like, started reading about SNL and learning about SNL and then watching stand up and then watching classic movies. Like I watched a lot of like a lot of movies I probably shouldn't have at a very young age. All like comedy movies, kind of like Tropic Thunder. Like I love sure. Tropic. It's such a good movie, but right. shouldn't, 11, shouldn't an 11 year old be seeing a movie about a, a fake Vietnam film? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, like Christmas Vacation, my family would always watch that. And there we go. It was kind of like, They'd be like, oh, cover your ears. But then they'd probably be like, no. And then I would just watch them and whatever happened. I, I love Saturday Night Live too, now that I think about it. I have a vivid memory of I was watching a uh, YouTube video with like my neighbor um, mm. when we were kids. And we were, it was like the Justin Timberlake sketch. It was like, soup, there it is. Like he's on the corner, like just being a thing of soup. Mm. And then the kid's dad comes in. He's like, oh, you guys can't be watching this. And I was like, first of all, this is my house. Yeah. <laughs> like, this is my, you can't come into my crib and just say, I'm like, well, it's funny. It's Saturday Night Live. He's like, and I I had to like take this apart in my head a couple years later. But he was like, well, he has some other stuff that are bad. Have you, have you seen like his like other bad stuff? And I was like, well, like what? Me and the kid were like, what? He was like, it's a, uh, it's like box. And he was talking about, and I later had a piece, it was Dick in a Box that he was Dick talking about. Box. And I was like, no, we haven't seen Box. We haven't seen Box. That's and, funny. That's funny. <laughs> and now I'm thinking about, if it was my mom, she would just say, Dick in a Box. He has a thing called Dick in a Box, and it's actually right there, and you can click on it. And so my mom also is one of my biggest comedy inspirations, because she was always just such a, I mean, still to this day, she's just a funny fucking woman in a great mm. sense of humor, not afraid mm. to laugh at anything. She's just a... Uh, She's wonderful, um, but she's always like, as much as Mad TV and Tropic Thunder and SNL, all these things have, have inspired my comedy. She's, I mean, she, uh, to be supportive of a son in comedy is like, what the fuck are you doing? And she's doing it. And so I, I really, I'd say probably, yeah, I'll trace it back to her as well. Well, shout out to all the moms that support people in comedy. Big facts. A lot, shout out uh, to every single mom. Shout out to every mom ever, because without them, we wouldn't have y'all. If, you, if you're a mom, mom, hit me up. I'll help you out. We love moms. Any mom. So, so a lot of parentally, 
I, I, again, this is a super overgeneralization, but comedy in sort of a child's mind can come through being supported or being suppressed as in don't be funny, like, no, be a lawyer. And you see bits all the time about like, oh, my family wanted me to be a doctor, but here I am doing stand-up. That's a good joke. But it's also like, fortunately, my parents were also super supportive and were pretty open about humor around the house. So it was just kind of like, yeah, this is something that I can do and have fun with and roll with. So big shout out to parents being supportive. If you're a parent, let your kids shout out. do comedy. When they're really young, let them watch <coughs> South Park. Let them watch everything you don't want them to watch. Yeah, bang my line, parents, moms and dads, you know, just let me... We got all sports this for is gonna be this is someone's gonna clip this and cancel me for this in a couple of years but yeah just everybody let me hang out with you <laughs> i was a camp counselor no that camp counselor shit was some wild stuff like i mean i i was a camp counselor for one summer and i was like there's three or four predators here yeah <laughs> what is going on when you yeah. were at the camp were there kids and you were like oh this kid's gonna be funny in like five years this kid is gonna be oh yeah this kid's gonna dude there are kids that just will hold court in a cabin like 11 year olds that will hold court in a cabin at night just like 12 other 11 year old kids all eyes on this motherfucker just telling like a story off the top of a bunk and i'm Mm -hmm. laughing and and ben was like dude ben the guy ben james postal stratton the man that has connected us is one of the funniest men i've ever met in my entire life and we would just be it was just like we would just be in the cabin we ran the best cabins. We would just be sitting there. Everyone would be laughing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there's no one funnier than a kid because they, they had such lateral thinking. They can think about anything at a moment's notice and turn it into something just completely different. You know, misinterpret a word and just go off completely in a different direction from that word. And it's just like we miss out on a lot of comedy of children because of the way that we treat them now in society. And I kind of hate that. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, I'm gonna start. I have started a nonprofit in the time I started that rant. Mm-hmm. Um, it's called it's called Kill the Kids with Laughter. It's about <laughs> you take all about, the kids, you take, you take all, all these the kids, six and seven year olds, bring them to the Apollo in put them Harlem, in the Apollo, and we just throw them all up on stage. They all get five minutes. It's like the the greatest kids open mic of all time. And you Please can do them. Yes, yeah, moms and dads hit me up. Is what I'm saying. <laughs> yes. So we need more funny children. So when we were growing up, I didn't have an Instagram till I was, I think, 15, pushing 16. Now, my sister, she had, I don't know, maybe 11, 12. So it's slowly getting younger and younger. And you can get introduced to comedy through that. And of course, when I was first starting Instagram, there wasn't comedy. But now there are whole apps where it's like, this is predominantly comedy, i.e. TikTok, which I personally, I don't use TikTok. But every so often, somebody will send me a TikTok, and I'm like, that is funny. But before yeah. TikTok, we had Vine. And there were some genuinely smart Vines. As much as as much dog shit as there was, you had to wade through. And I say suffer through. Every so often, there was a classic. You can go on YouTube and Google, like, best Vine compilation July 2014 or something like that. And you'll find some funny stuff. They'll have, like, 9.8 billion views. Like, damn. Son. They will. So now my question is, where do you see comedy sort of moving forward where we can have absolute just shit posting? This is a picture of a turtle and it's colored blue. And that's funny for some reason versus I sat down and for a year and a half wrote a full comedy script that is airtight and is just an absolute like bomb dynamite because, you know, a lot of, again, overgeneralization, but I can find that a lot of the same people that love just mindlessly scrolling and laughing on TikTok are also the same people that can love and appreciate a show that's really smarter than like The Office. 
Facts. Facts. It's the, the, the direction comedy is going in is, is really, it's weird and it's a mystery and it's very exciting for me because as much as I had before this, like a, a very set and established plan, I'm going to go to the city, I'm going to do really well, I'm going to do a ton of shows, like 10, 10 shows and uh, uh, back and forth. I'm going to do this and just be a workhorse and dog. Maybe I'll get on the road and I'll go from there and all that stuff. Uh, we're watching entire industries in entertainment just collapse in on each other. Mm-hmm. Uh, LA, everyone, like all these comedians are leaving from LA, all these big name comedians in New York is people are moving home. Uh, it was the exodus out of New York. And, but I mean, of course, New York's going to stay alive. Hollywood, maybe not so much because we're finding, you know, people that are making more money than, than comics that have been doing this shit for 20 years consistently and been on TV consistently are getting, you know, their 16 year olds getting, you know, Dunkin Donuts copies named after them. Mm-hmm. They've found a, a way, they found a channel and, and what sells and how to make money off. The, they, I mean, and they're talented children, but they're also like, these kids are media moguls. Mm-hmm. You know, nowadays you kind of, you don't have to, I mean, it used to be, you have to like be a good comic, be the funniest comic, and then you get your own show and then it gets syndicated and you get a lot of money and you become a fan favorite. You're in a ton of movies. Sure. You now you make your own movie. Mm-hmm. Now you make your own. I mean, TikTok, Vine, you know, is a, Instagram now has Reels that's competing. Content creators, everyone in their own little set and brand is an influencer in whatever you know uh, capacity they they decide to be, because we're all expected to be online, and the, that expectation has led to like a rise in in people finding more comedy, people branching out. Maybe you know people are are in situations in real life where. They, they aren't allowed to, you know, say the funny things that they want to say or they aren't allowed to, you know, maybe like, you know, take interest in, in real things that they have interest in. And now we're seeing like a rise in absurdism in comedy and mm-hmm. just like it's grown from the eye funny memes that just don't make any sense. We have yes. these Snapchat filters that make it look like your head being hit with a hammer. And it's somehow the funniest thing in the world. It is. People are researching and marketing how, how funny can be online. And I think it's as much as like the analytics and statistics and all that stuff going to that, I'm also very excited to see just like the random, just wellspring of people just like, you know, making it, uh, making a name for themselves, having a big following purely because they just wanted to do it and they thought they could do it and they decided to be funny and guess they were. And, you know, that's, that's what I'm really excited for. And I'm, I mean, anxious to see if that person is me, Mm -hmm. but, um, you know, that's just I think that's the direction we're heading. We're heading towards more people making their own stuff, more like, you know, autonomy for the artist. And that'll be really fun to just like that'll be fun to explore. It'll be totally new. There won't be as much like industry involvement and stuff. And maybe there will be. Maybe they'll they'll clamp down and, and maybe take back control. But then again, I, they have to find a way to do that in the age of new media. Mm-hmm. And that'll be real fun. So that's just my two cents on it. So with this, it makes me wonder about the the staying power and the longevity of a lot of these kids. Yeah, you can be funny on Vine and on TikTok, but how do you translate that to five years from now, 10 years from now? You know, stand-up has been around for God knows how long. And, you know, comedians like a, a, a John Mulaney, a Kevin Hart, you can be like, oh, this was their special from 2008, 2012, 2014, 2021. But it's like, oh, this these 75 TikToks are from January to April. How do you get, how do you, you know, move your career? And a lot of comedians, I remember from Vine, they came to YouTube 
And that's where like this whole vlogging thing just exploded. And honest to God, like a lot of the people that went from buying to YouTube, I wouldn't consider them comedians. Maybe they're people that have interesting personalities and are funny to be around. Funny, con funny content creators, you know, comedy is, is very subjective. And as much as I can hate on someone else's and I do, I entirely, I'll all the time hate on people's, you know, I had a, my last episode of my podcast, I recorded my professor nominated a comedian that I don't really like uh, for a Nobel peace prize. And I just thought that was disrespectful in general to uh, the entire concept of comedy. Mm -hmm. But um, it's like, there are no rules there. It's there, literally, no rules. if you find it funny, it's funny. It's all, yeah, it's, it's all. So right now people are experiencing their golden age, you know, the, the Nelk boys or, or the Dolan twins or, you know, any mm -hmm. of those David Dobrik, they're experiencing their golden age. And, and some of them will have staying power and some of them will kind of fall off and keep doing the same thing and maybe fade and post like maybe start doing, going back into traditional stunts to gain more, you know, shock value and support and just mm -hmm. overall views. Um, but I think it's really all back to just pivoting as much as like we've seen, I mean, when Kevin Hart is doing, when he was doing clubs or when he was getting like five lines in a movie, when he was doing scary movie three, you mm -hmm. know, he was just, he was doing all that and preparing and every single time he showed up and he knocked out that role. Um, so he could pivot. And when he has to do arenas, he knows how to control a crowd. He knows how to be the center of attention for maybe not 200 people, but I mean, 20,000 mm -hmm. in a sold out arena. And so that's, I mean, that's a sense of where he pivots his comedy to how can he control a crowd and also stay funny as opposed to just how can he just unload a clip of, of just laughs on, on a focused group of people. So uh, it's really all about pivoting. We're seeing like, you know, I'm, I'm no expert or anything. I'm no, I don't, I'm not a reporter. I'm not, I'm just a dude who follows, I love comedy. We're seeing like, you know, comedians are starting to do the Instagram reels, the Instagram stories and stuff. And that's a way to put out content every single day. Uh, without really having it last so your followers get to engage and interact with your content more but then again if you're still on instagram people want to see the picture of you with your dog the picture of you with your family they don't want to see a yeah. ton of posters for shows but maybe they'll look at a poster for a show at the end of you know maybe a funny sketch you did on your story mm -hmm. and that's you know that's more of the fun stuff that's where it's like you have to get creative and branding and marketing that stuff and i don't know any of that shit i don't know any of it. i'm just mm -hmm. seeing it that no i agree with you there's um Funny you mentioned that actually, because there was a comedian that I was, I was reading his book and I was like, I should go follow him on social media because I now I know a lot about him. But his timeline was uh, on Instagram was just all show posters. And it's like, I'm not going to follow you because I don't want to just see show posters. Like I want to follow you to see photos of you and your family, maybe a photo of you at the show instead of just you, you. and another comedian, you making people yeah. laugh, you know, a clip from a show or something. So I, I totally agree that there has to be a fine balance between, hey, this is me and hey, this is what I do come to me give me your money it's all about finding the right way to sell your soul and that's yes. the right yeah. yes the right way to the balance but then also like where does i mean everything at instagram should never be taken at face value even things that i post mm -hmm. like follow me on instagram if you want but like it's those photos are all set up they're staged sure yeah. that maybe in the moment i'm like oh this would be cool i like this thing but you have that in mind. You're like, up. I'm going to throw this motherfucker up on Instagram. It's going to get a ton of likes. Throw a filter on it. Get some clout. 100%. 100%. So, I'll be, I mean, I am really looking forward to, like, where, you know, comedy can literally be accessed everywhere. Everywhere, every facet. 
But weirdly, one of the places that you can't find comedy is when was the last time you saw like a big budget comedy movie on in theaters? You're like, I'm going to the movie to see like an iconic comedy movie. So I can't even, I can't really remember. I want to say I can't even remember the it's last time. It's hard. We're seeing like, you know, the, the death of like, you know, you know, Will Ferrell, not the death. I mean, they're also huge stars that can get any movie made. But like Netflix, Adam Sandler. Netflix drops these movies. Netflix is dropping them. No one's really watching them much. But yeah, I mean, there's, these movies aren't, they're not $80 million. It's not facts. a movie like you're not going to see um, like a, like a Caddyshack or like a vacation or mm-hmm. uh, even like Bridesmaids, which came out just this past decade. Yeah. Um, it's like, well, there's so, there's so much variety now. Mm-hmm. And there's so many places to pick from and options to choose that it's kind of like, well, what do we even watch? How much time are we even going to invest in this? And is it even going to be funny? Because they know what's funny. The people mm-hmm. know what's funny now. Mm-hmm. And they, they've, they've seen these movies. They know they need a laugh. They'll watch Bridesmaids. Or they'll watch, you know, like Anchorman or something like that. Mm-hmm. But now we're seeing, like, people's attention spans, even with comedy specials. They're putting out 15-minute stand-ups, about 30-minute stand-up specials because people aren't, you know, their attention span isn't really grabbing that as much anymore. And when you have all these stars and so many different projects, it's kind of like, all right, what are you, who are you trying to reach? Cause it's not me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go on my phone and I'm going to look at TikTok and I'm going to, you know, just, I'm going to laugh at what I want to laugh at. You know, I'm going to laugh at, you know, just random dudes on the internet and I'm, I'm going to find it 10 times as funny and be satiated that much more quickly because mm-hmm. we're all, we're all just going fast nowadays. And we all, we really are, are a um, instant gratification society. We need it now. We need it now. We're not there for the buildup. We don't want to see Jason Bateman do 20 minutes of exposition with Rachel McAdams. That's just, I think we're progressing mm-hmm. past that. Nothing against them. And I'm, they will never hear this, but I, and I love them very much. Uh, they're my best friends. But like, it's also, you can put that out. It'll make some money in the middle of America, but people are doing their own shit now and people are finding their own shit and they, they are understanding more and more how to access the content they like. And I think that's, crucial to the future of comedy and and the future of, of what we consider a big star or uh you know like a a, a, a timeless classic mm-hmm. you know i totally agree i, I can't, really can't name the last time i saw a comedy in theaters that wasn't like branded as a marvel movie yeah you know what i mean yeah but like once again this is all up in the air maybe but if, if tiktok leaves if tiktok goes the way of the dodo like vine did just one day here today gone tomorrow where do tiktok people go and what happens to the TikToks, of course, I'm certain that almost every TikTok has been saved on a phone, has been recorded, has been, is going to be put on YouTube. And it'll be like, best TikToks 2020, sure. quarantine, best TikToks, this trend. Um, but it's, it's where does that, does that humor then go to Twitter? Yeah. I don't know. So it'll, when Maybe something Twitter's shuts down, everyone floods somewhere else. And you see, you tried to see people from Vine transition Twitter and not everyone did it gracefully. A lot of people fell flat on their face. A lot of people lost a lot of money, uh, probably lost their houses and, and, you know, whatever they considered a job. So it's very, it's, it's, it's unstable. And it's, it's weird because we're still now TikTok is having, you know, their creators on TikTok are having real hard times trying to even monetize their work and they're huge people with huge followings. Sure. So you see them going to the Instagram and, and Twitter and now, uh, you know, YouTube, but everyone's getting very frustrated with the YouTube ads. No one wants to buy youtube tv um Mm. people are just finding more paywalls to put shit up for and i think the 
end all be all for consistent content creators is going to end up being Patreon. Um, yeah, I like Patreon's. It. It's Patreon's the OnlyFans for artists. And I mean, not to say yeah, that people no, on OnlyFans yeah. aren't artists. They are. Uh, but this is just like, you know, you can a little less It's you can support yeah. them directly. Yeah. And you can just pay all that money directly to somebody. And yeah. it's like, I, I know a guy who I was doing shows with um, around Orlando. We, we're not like friends or anything. Just like, you know, you know, other comedians like casual acquaintances. You talk after shows, you get a bite to eat. Um, sure. Just a regular, regular guy. And now he has like 1.5 mil on TikTok. And wow. yeah, and it's just from consistency of, of good work, quality stuff that makes people laugh. And he's monetized it. He now has a Patreon making 40K a month on Patreon. It can go from this to this to this to this to that. It's in and out. It's upside down. It's very random. But if you have something that works and you know it's going to work and you find a way to produce it in a way that you know how to monetize it, if you're that savvy in in business and marketing, Mm. it can work. And these are the things that inspire me to keep going because it's like as much as I do want the money, I also want to put out shit that people like. And that guy, as much money as as he's making, uh, I'm sure he can make a million dollars a year. He would much rather just have rather have a big group of people love his comedy. Mm-hmm. And that's I mean, that's the real sentiment that that I know he holds. You got to be able to fund your comedy to do it. You got to be able to just keep yourself afloat. You got to get food in your stomach, mm-hmm. travel so, to the venues. So now we're finding comedy to be kind of as online grows more of a side hustle for people online. And yeah. It's very it's very cool to see because it's like you could either be a comedian on Twitter or you could trade Forex. And it's kind of more fun to be a Twitter comedian than to lose all your, your money. I do like Twitter. I do. Every time I see a tweet that like goes viral at the bottom, they always put like, oh, here's my, here's my Venmo. Here's my cash app. Facts. And I'm like, I, I wonder, I, I knew someone who had a tweet, uh, tweet go viral. And I'm wondering if I should message like, did anybody send you money? Did anybody just randomly send you because you, you tweeted something that got like a hundred? Oh my God. I'm curious. I don't know. This isn't to put them down. I'm just kind of curious. Yes. So thank you for discussing that with me. I, I love comedy in the future and where it goes, considering that you and I are both now entering this and hopefully we're going to see how long we can we'll uh, watch it play out for sure. Yeah, we'll, we'll see the evolution or de-evolution of that. So you and I are both from Central Florida, Orlando, yes, Florida boys. I don't know if we'd be considered Florida boys because we don't, I don't think we have, well, neither of us have trucks and we don't have the, no. the flow grown with the gun for the F. That's my favorite. <laughs> That's my favorite. Um, but we both, you and I both love the Orlando magic. We both yes. have this absolute passion for this team that has put me through some feelings. Um, I remember as a kid passing the FCAT, going to the Amway Arena, formerly, formerly TD Waterhouse Arena, and watching uh, Dwight Howard play. And now Dwight Howard, maybe tonight, yeah, if, he, if he wins, if he wins game, if he, if Lakers win the game. Do I oh, yeah. get, he might get his first ring. Wow. Oh, they better not. Oh, man. That'll make me very upset. I remember I was at um, Epcot. I was, this is such a Florida story. You want to talk about Florida boy? Yeah, it worked it was, yeah, it was, I, Epcot's my favorite park just because you can, you know, you just, it's more adults and you can get drunk a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but like, I was sitting, waiting in line to hear my sister. She was singing like some show. It was around, it was the, like the candlelight processional. Yeah. And, um, she was like doing with the school and everything, all the fun stuff. And my mom, I was just tired, exhausted. I was a little kid. I was just on the verge of tears already. 
and she just looks, she knows this. And my mom knows, and I'm pretty sure she did this for her, but she knows I'm very, like, just a frustrated child right now, just flustered and just like, I don't even want to do this. I'm so tired and hungry. I'm sitting in this line at Disney. And she goes, Dwight Howard has requested a trade from the Orlando Magic. And I just lost my shit. I just had a ball in my eye. I was oh like, oh my God. Oh my fucking hero, man. Um, but it was just like, Wow. Yeah, I love the magic. I've always been a magic guy. Mm-hmm. The Orlando Magic are just, they're fucking. <laughs> There's just something I mean, about it. It's just, maybe it's like the energy of being like, yes, we're this team that has super memorable moments and eras. Like, even now, people still say Shaq and Penny. Bro, we drafted Shaq. Shaq started. I have two magic jerseys. One is a classic throwback Shaq jersey. So I just love the blue, the blue Orlando with the stars. Shaq and Penny, my man. Penny, funny enough, for UCF, I, I'm part of like the sideline, or I was when they were still having people there, who would hype the crowd up. And um, Penny is now the coach for Memphis basketball because he played there. Oh, yeah. So whenever the coach steps on the court, we're always like, uh, coach, get off the court at the opponent courts. And I'm like, I was doing that and I was like, Man, I'm yelling this at Penny Hardaway. I love this guy, right. but not when he's playing UCF. No, sir. Did y'all so, win? I think we did that game. I think we oh, did. Yeah. So just show. That'll show you. Penny. Don't ever go to Tennessee. Yeah, but um, but it's like Orlando. It's like I'm in like the Orlando subreddit, and I follow a bunch of like Orlando Instagram pages, and it's like we have amazing players. We lit. I am, I am, I love Markel Fultz. Markel Fultz is going to be disgusting. I mean, Aaron Gordon's going to, if Aaron Gordon can do the job he's been paid to do, that'd be awesome. Markel Fultz is, is capable of incredible things. Jonathan Isaac, capable Dude, his jersey, when he didn't kneel, his jerseys were number two on the NBA site. Like absolutely insane. (laughs) This year at the dunk contest, when I see Taco Fall, former UCF night basketball player being dunked over by zero, zero, starter for the Orlando Magic, Aaron Gordon. I lost my shit that night. And then when he lost, I also lost my shit. But I was very upset. I was very upset. And now I don't think I'm allowed to be upset about it anymore because Chadwick Boseman died. But Hmm. still festering anger on the inside of me. I mean, he gave him a nine. Like, that dunk was not a – I digress. Aaron Gordon is just – the most talented dunker in the NBA. And it's a yep. real dan- – it's an incredible shame that he, he lost that dunk contest. It's like, what? Mm-hmm. And Dwayne Wade in common share as, as much of the blame as well. And, I mean, common, you're a better actor than a rapper. D-Wade, like, I mean, you're a legend. But still, D-Wade. it was obvious favoritism. You can't give Orlando anything. You can't give us anything. No. You can't I give mean, us a dunk. Rob twice? We – look – Yes, he was robbed twice. Um, and two things with that. One, the only jersey that is retired in the Amway Arena or Amway Center is number, number six. six, the fans. Mm-hmm. And I see that and I'm like, yeah, that's me. But also, <laughs> did they retire someone's jersey? There are so many great players that have come through. Retire a Shaq, retire a Penny. Retire, retire Nick Anderson. Retire Nick Anderson. Retire no, just do T-Mac. It. Retire T-Mac. Retire Hito Tirkagolu. That guy yes. is awesome. Hito, we could legit retire, I think. We could. Hito, we could for sure hang his, his number. Jameer Nelson. Yeah, that's the jersey I have. I have a Jameer Nelson. Jameer Nelson. The fact that DJ Augustine is running around, and no offense, I love DJ Augustine too. He's a great – I mean, he's a great crunch time PG. 
Mm-hmm. Number 14 should be retired. It should be hanging in the rafters in Amway. After everything Jameer Nelson has done for the organization, the way we treated him and pushed him out, it was just disgusting, and it was the worst day of ninth grade for me. So um, Orlando has made some very poor decisions going back from the 90s with getting rid of losing Shaq to L.A. and um, Rob Hennigan, Doc, Doc Rivers not getting um, – oh, my goodness. Who am I thinking of? Doc Rivers, he blew the chance to get – somebody to Orlando that would have made a pot that would have been like the first power trio. I can't remember his name. I will, I'll put an edit in here and I'll say who it is. What I meant to say was in 2001, Doc Rivers, the coach of the magic had the chance to get Tim Duncan from San Antonio because his contract had expired there and he blew it. And it would have been Grant Hill, Tracy McGrady and Tim Duncan probably bringing Orlando a championship. That's what I meant to say, but I couldn't remember in the moment, Um, but it's a classic moment. And of course the Oh nine finals. That's why I got such a beef with LA. Yeah. Because I remember that. I, I remember if that. If White wins with LA, it'll just be a slap in the face of the entire. It is a slap in the face. Yeah. But hey, as an Orlando fan, as Orlando fans, we stick through it. When people, I tell people, I'm like, they're like, what's who's your team? And I'm like, Magic all the way. They're like, really? Any day of like, the week. Yeah. Any day. City beautiful, seven. dude. The city beautiful. City do you, beautiful. Do you feel as though that Orlando Magic have a rivalry, an in state rivalry with Miami, even though Miami is just like, I think it's like a it's a Legacy battle of wise. Florida, but right now it's just like they, we're not even on their radar. Those guys are drowning to Austin, like they're they're sweating in you know, like to LA right now. I think as far as like it's always fun to see who wins. Like if someone can get a three one or or sweep the season series, it's always fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but I mean, as far as like a rivalry, I haven't seen one since LeBron. LeBron, because LeBron, LeBron kind of, he walked in, he said, who's going to have a rivalry with us? Nobody. And he just started fucking up every team in the league. And we weren't even on his, I mean, we, we were cast by the wayside, rightfully so. No one could beat those guys. Uh, But I think now with the group we have, I thought we were going to be a six seed at the end of the season. Didn't turn out that way. Because we lost those last like three games headed into um, Mm -hmm. the last three of the first couple bubble games. Yeah. And then Brooklyn it's, took the spot. And then we saw what happened with Brooklyn, Toronto. Mm, yeah. I mean, technically, we did better against Milwaukee than Brooklyn, Brooklyn did, against did against the, the Raptors, Raptors. For sure. And the Raptors, I mean, did very Raptors. terribly against the Heat. Um, wait, did they play the Heat? Yeah. Um, I think. I, was, I stopped watching after the Magic lost and started watching <laughs> again when the betting got fun. The betting is um, very fun now. Yeah. So you're – Personally, I know because tonight is literally if Lakers win, the Lakers get the ring. But you know, Jimmy buckets. As much as I've kind of a mixed feelings on Miami, I do. I would like the Heat to win. Just I want. I, I like LeBron so bad. I like LeBron, but I think it'd be kind of fun if he didn't get the ring. Yes, me too. Like it's like okay, everyone's like he has to. He doesn't have to. He, he doesn't have to. Just because he's LeBron, he doesn't. He doesn't have. I'd much rather see. Jimmy Butler take a team. Jimmy Butler and Tyler Harrow grab a team by the horns and just you overpower them from three one. I would much rather see that. If you're saying you wouldn't rather see that, then you you either live in Los Angeles, you're a bandwagoner, or you just you you don't like a good you don't like good storylines because Miami has it's done some line. incredible it's things and LA has been pretty lackluster for this entire playoffs. Mm-hmm. When Miami's um, just on top. Back in January, when LA was playing in Orlando, there was a big. I saw it on Reddit, but because I was watching the pregame, they were scanning around and they were like making fun of the fans in LA jerseys. And the best one was it zoomed in on this one kid in a, a bronze jersey on his phone, not paying attention. And it said, um, 
only fans, I said only a fan of teams with starters named LeBron. Uh, like, <laughs> that's funny. Oh, that is very funny. Um, I remember in 2000, would have been 10 or 11, my parents were like, yo, let's go down. Like, cause it was before the Amway center had opened and they were having people in oh. and like a lot of the players were there. And I was like, I was a magic fan, but I wasn't like uber invested in it. True. And they were like, this is the arena where we're going to bring home the championship. You saw what we did last year. We're going to, we're going to be hanging them from the Raptors. And I love, I, I've gone, I go to multiple magic games every season. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was there, I think the last one I went to was in December and I was just there and I was like, the only thing we have up there is like 08, 09, ECF, 95 <laughs> ECF. Oh, and with that, this is, this is another thing I hadn't planned, but, um, during during the last dance, which was a great documentary, by the way, I love the last dance, man. It was awesome when they had that whole bit about MJ coming back, and like they had like all the sad music playing. They're like, and they lost to Orlando. Orlando. I was like, why? I was like, why the sad like, music? This is awesome. They Look deserved it. Kind of just dunking on them. I mean, we know Back. what happened next against uh, the Rockets. We do. But I mean, uh, I, was like, I was like, I was like, look at Michael Jordan being all sad and whatnot while Shaq and Penny are just, just slamming just it home on Destroying. Like, they couldn't do anything. It's like, yeah, we were good for a year or two. Woo-hoo. Shout out Orlando. Yeah, yeah I fucking, I it's a love hate relationship, but I, I, I can't get enough of Orlando Magic basketball. Do you have a favorite? I can't get enough of David Steele and Jeff Turner. Those guys are fucking awesome. Those guys are good. Those guys are good. Do you have a favorite like jersey? Shout out my dog Dante Marcatelli. Huh? Jersey. Do you have a favorite jersey? Oh, um, jersey. Victor Oladipo. I have my my favorite jerseys. I have a Victor Oladipo jersey, and like I met him one. on Christmas Day, 2013. Oh hell yeah! I was leaving Les Miserables with my family. We go see a movie. Yeah. And he's standing in line. It's at the Regal Cinema, uh, in Winter Park, and he's mm-hmm. just standing there, just like in line with his family, and I'm out there just like losing my shit i look at him i'm like there's no fucking there's no way there's he, no way how and tall I, is he like six four just he's six two, five this he's is six, six five. five dude he's tall and he, i was like, what i was odds? losing my fucking mind and i was like mm-hmm. bro can i get a picture he's like yeah man it's christmas i was like it is yeah. christmas merry christmas dude do you have that photo like, could you send it to me at some point oh yeah i look like dude it's a, it's one of my favorite photos of all time that's awesome it's literally that's i'll awesome. send it right out oh i miss um, that man I, I do. I miss it. Victor Oladipo so fucking much. I He's think, something we really could have done well with. Yes. Orlando has had a legacy of interesting decisions. I love, currently I love T. Ross. He's maybe my favorite player on the team. He is just an all-around awesome dude. I keep, every every season, I'm like, he's not coming back. He's not coming back. And then he comes back. He's coming back. Of course, back. very mixed feelings on one Evan Fournier. Very mixed feelings. Very mixed Yeah. Feelings. On like, how do you want 27 points or zero? Yeah, do you want him? Do you want him to be top of the board or just not there? Um, and I also love um, Vooch, and I know he's a lot of money, Vooch but is, hey, he's an all star. He's man. worth it. Vooch is worth every penny. I Maybe not so. in the playoffs, but during the regular season, <laughs> yeah, I mean, he can get it. We can get us there. I was at a game probably back in October when we were playing Boston, and when they brought Taco Fall and like the whole arena started. Oh yeah, that was awesome to be there for. But um, near the end of the game, they had a player, Josh McGett who's a great player. He's from the Lakeland Magic, the feeder mm-hmm. team. And this, it was like, there were like five minutes left in the game. Orlando had won it. And the guy in front of me, who's this bigger dude, turns around and says, when they bring the white guys in, you know it's over. 
And that was just the funniest. Like, yeah. Because <laughs> Josh McGett, like, I follow him on social media, and he just looks like a normal ass dude. <laughs> he can just ball out like it's nobody's business. He's a regular guy. <laughs> uh, that always stuck out. That, that's a good memory I have there, man. I, I love the Magic. I, My favorite team. And it's the only sports team I'm invested in. To be really not, not even collegially, not even Florida State. Team. To some extent. Well, FSU basketball, I'm a huge fan of. I love FSU sure. basketball. They're, mm-hmm. I mean, they're just a good fucking team. They run so efficiently. They do. Um, they do. J.I. is from FSU. J.I. is from there. Dwayne Bacon, Terrence Mann, um, Chris Kumanji, defensive gene lead player of the year. He's now in Spain. He's, he's tearing it up over in Spain. Shout out to Chris. Shout out to Terrence. Almost, you know, was a king of L.A. Mm-hmm. Um there, I mean, Leonard Hamilton is one of the greatest minds in, in basketball. Dude, he, he's one of the smartest. He, he he can do, he can literally have a starting five that will terrorize you. Ten minutes later, he'll reload another starting five. He'll reload another starting five, just random dudes on the court that work so well together. March he's, Madness I mean, last year, 2019. How far did you guys go? I think we got to we, the Sweet 16 and lost. Virginia? Is that he? No, because Virginia didn't Virginia go on to win it? Yeah. Or no, you might have been Virginia. Virginia won it, but you guys beat Virginia in the regular season that year. That's what it was. Yeah. You beat Virginia at home. And we beat Xavier the year before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So and then this mean, year we would have won. But yeah, yeah, you guys had a great team. So with UCF wise, I actually I was going to the post office and I saw Coach Dawkins just chilling oh. at like a barbecue restaurant. It was I was like, Coach. Um hey, but coach. literally one of the greatest games in UCF history is the Duke UCF game from March. Yes. Back. Dude, oh my god that was an absolutely that was an absolute devastator when that was that such a i was out. like there's no way duke does this shit there's no way duke fuck bro that they, was I, the whole stadium like when the ball was there i wouldn't be surprised if like the duke people were outside with like jacks just like lifting it sideways so the ball <laughs> tipped out dude it was crazy man and what's yeah. what's what's insane is that coach dawkins he played college at duke oh he played, shit. He played college at duke he was a duke player playing his old coach and Johnny Dawkins, our coaches, his son Aubrey Dawkins was one of the starters. Damn, dude, we had rivalry. We had a stacked starting five last year, and it's all. I mean, we have a good, we have good players now, but it's like that year, like early 2019. Oh, as fuck. That was those were some boys. Those were some. Yeah, boys. I BJ watched. Taylor, uh, he went to Boone, like BJ Taylor, that mm-hmm. monster, literal monster yeah. from hell, dude. Guy. Ta- Taco Fall was the first UCF. Uh, is the first UCF student to ever go to um, a conference finals. Really? Mm-hmm. The first UCF player ever to go to a conference finals. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Shout out to Taco. Taco, if you're, Taco. if you're listening to this, I'm a big fan. We love um, you, Taco. We love, we love you, Taco. We, Taco, we love you. Do, um, do you have a favorite fast food restaurant speaking of Taco Bell? Oh. Go to? Oh, well, you're in Taco Bell. It was Taco Bell. Because I've gone Taco. Chubby's, Gordo's, There's, Classics. Yeah, well, I work at Gordo's, time. so that's like... That's it where you work? Yeah, that's my favorite. I love me some Gordos any day of the week. Um, but my favorite fast food, I think, of all time. It's put me in a tough spot. It's put me in a really tough think spot. Think of that. Um, I'll tell us a little anecdote. Is that I think it was Gordos. Gordos has the drive through, right? No. Oh, it might have been Chubby's then. I think it was Chubby's. But I was, I was. It was after a long night at the strip. It was Christmas. Oh yeah, Christmas, it was Chubby's. So it was, so it was cold as hell. And I was there with a big group of people, and we, we had an Uber, and we were like, yo, Uber, we'll give you 20 bucks, go to the drive-thru. And we got to the drive-thru, and it was packed. It was like 3 a.m., 
and Holy we all shit. for some reason we were like i can't see the menu so every, well, me and all my friends in uber got out of the uber and we're just like standing in front of the menu just staring at it <laughs> and the uber, the uber was just waiting with it he was just like yeah sure that was a good memory i have did you buy him food as well i think i think he might have had something i don't know i don't remember much that night though that's a good memory i have Tallahassee's he's just a cesspool I got of just waste and just random shit happening it's so fucking oh oh um try loading your brightness and like that. oh yeah you're right i'm trying to show alex a screen cap of something I'm trying to send this this there we gotcha. oh but it's on the screen <laughs> Uh, um, if I had to go yeah, yeah. favorite of all time, it'd be Taco Bell, but that's just because of the quesarito. Uh, I mean, they took away everything. They took away loaded potatoes. Mm-hmm. They took away the steak quesarito. They t- they're taking away the Mexican pizza. They're just, I mean, what are they going to replace it with though? What are they? Gonna, I don't even know. What are they I have a friend whose whose stepfather is like a big executive at Taco Bell. And I messaged her. I was like, wow. Can you bring back wow. this item. I was like, I sent her like a really long paragraph. I was like, Hey, he works at Taco Bell. Like he's a, he has a lot of pull. And she's like, yeah. And I'm like, all right, well, da, 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 can you bring back the grilled stuff burrito? And she was like, was seriously. And then I am on Snapchat and I see someone saying happy birthday to her. And I'm like, just kidding. Happy birthday. And she's like, thank you so much. Ha, ha, ha. And I was like, yo, That's oh funny. no. That's, like, that's the wrong way to start my day off. You ever wake up and you're just like, you look at it like a notification got overnight, overnight, and you're just like, oh boy. Oh yeah. A lot of times yeah. for me, it's just it's Canvas and it's like web courses. Your assignment has been. I don't have my notifications on for Canvas at all. I don't have my grades. I haven't checked my grades all semester. I'm just not. Dude, Schrodinger's grades. You know, if you never look at it, you don't know if they're bad. It you know? could be good, but they're. I mean, maybe they're bad, but who's to say? Not me. I haven't seen. You'll them. never know. <laughs> All right. Well, Andy, I, I, it's been such a pleasure to get to chat with you, to catch it's up with awesome you. been awesome coming on the show. Thank you so much Thank for you having so me. Thank you for being here on the inaugural first one. Um, please, anything, plug. This is your time. What you got? Hell yeah. Um, so if you guys if you guys like and listen, liked to listen to me, I don't know. I'm bad at plugging stuff. I'm bad. Um, I, I, am a, I am a guy. I'm a person. I'm a man. I have my own podcast as well. Uh, it's called In Between Gods with Andy Listen. It's kind of – it's just – uh, there's a couple interviews and stuff that we do but um, it's really most of it's just me ranting um, and as, as everyone says they like to rant I just ranting for me is just talking and it's kind of it's just it's, it's fun to do it's it, I guarantee it'll be a good time uh, you guys don't like it uh, stand up no nothing there's there's no stand up for me right now <laughs> um, you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Andy underscore Liston uh, my Twitter's hot right now. My Twitter is hot right mm-hmm. now. Yes, you need is. to follow me on Twitter yes, right it now. It is. Um, that That's pretty much all I have to plug, uh, other than just, like, thank you so much for having me on the, the first inaugural episode. Here. I really appreciate it. Of course, of course. Well, um, thanks again, Andy, and I'll be sure to link everything that you have. Oh, right, yeah. Take thank care. You thanks so for much, listening, y'all. I want to say thank you again to Andy Liston for coming on and being so open to have such a fun conversation. Be sure to check out Andy on all of his social media, Instagram and Twitter. Check him out if he's doing any stand-up open mics. And be sure to follow his own podcast called In Between Gods. Once again, I want to say thank you for listening. And I want to say thanks again to Andy. And I'll see you guys soon.